0: Hello and welcome to episode 118 of The Brand Lounge, where every Thursday we feature insightful brand stories to showcase the hundreds of ways that businesses are started, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, and to encourage you to build your business your way. I'm Tammy Heels, your host and founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant. And today I'm joined once again by Eleanor Meyerhofer, Squarespace website designer and digital strategist. Welcome back to the show, Eleanor. It's great to be here. In the last episode, listeners, Eleanor and I talked all about launching a new website, things to consider about the flow of your website, the content that you should include, and really how to maximize the impact that it has for your audience and potential clients. So pop that one on the playlist if you missed it. But today we are talking all about you and your business. So Eleanor, let's start at the beginning. And I know that your business has been established for quite a while. So what was it that first inspired you to start your business
1: on your own? Well, this is actually my second business. I, I had a 10, well, I had a longer, like 20-year career as a digital designer. And I was at a big global agency for 10 years. And I quit that job about 10 years ago. And then I started an e-commerce business. And that met some moderate success, but for a variety of reasons. It was like a real learning experience. And I wound it down. And then I had a baby. And that was sort of a reassessment time. And I had actually always toyed with the idea of starting a little website business because the kind of sites I was doing in corporate, they were really huge and very complex. There was offshore development. You weren't doing like fun design work. You were in meetings, you were getting stakeholder alignment, you were making sure a business process. It was just, it became like, you learn, I learned a lot in that role, but it was not creative and it, everything took forever. Like you would just be on projects for two years. It was not satisfying work. And so when website builders, like I had done for my dad, he needed a website. So I did these things. And I was like, this is so much fun. It is so easy. Like This is so easy. You know, there's you just like, make a website and hit launch and it's done. It's not like all this complexity, but I will be honest. I was hesitant to start a client-based business. I was worried about, I knew what was going to happen was all of the things that I saw on a macro level, client management, managing scope was just going to happen again at a micro level. And I didn't, I couldn't figure out how to get out of that problem, but I, the idea wouldn't leave me alone and your ideal client is like kind of always yourself right so i was like i want to start a business making websites for expat women transitioning out of corporate <laughs> you know and i had a neighbor um also an american here and she was a therapist and she needed a website and i said you know what let me do it. Let's do, she needed a little brand. And I was like, let's do it. And I'll see if I like it. And we did it. And I did. And there were some things where I thought, oh yeah, I could manage that. And I got to remember to say, you know, this is how much you get and stuff, but I generally liked it. And then to be honest, what happened was this was after I had my baby. So I was still freelancing in agencies around town. And my income was so irregular that I got a really huge tax bill because my accountant kept saying, oh, no, you don't have to do it monthly anymore. You can do it quarterly. And so I got, this huge tax bill. And I was like, well, I guess I'm starting that website business. <laughs> so um, like I we discussed in the previous episode, I just threw up a Squarespace site and it was just kind of serendipitous. A woman, a yoga studio owner in Berlin found me on, I think Squarespace Circle or something. And she happened, she lived in Berlin, but I'm here in Munich. And she happened to be down here because her sister had a baby and she was helping out. We met and she was like, to this day, is still my ideal client. She was great. And we just, the whole thing went well. She loved the site. I was, and I told her, look, I'm figuring this out. I don't really have my processes set up, but she was cool with that. And I kind of took that as a sign because that project went so well. She was so lovely. And um, I was kind of off to the races after that.
0: That's incredible. I love that so much. I love that you had such a good couple of trial experiences that were just like nah this is good I'm happy with this I'm still figuring it out but it's not enough to put me off it's still still gonna be a good thing and I also love the fact that you've gone from like massive two-year projects to what you offer now which is like one day that's it we're done (laughs) (laughs) that's why yeah I love that it's fantastic it's such a wonderful approach as well because let's let's talk a little bit around that if you're happy to um, before we kind of jump back to how you left your corporate job, but how did you decide on the service that you were going to offer? Was it something straight away where you were like, "I'm going to do websites in one day. That's what I want to do, and that's going to be it," or was it a process of, "I want to do websites in a month. Now I'm going to do it in three weeks. Now I'm going to do it in two weeks"?
1: <laughs> no, no, it was very much so. The thing is, I, I after I got a few clients under my belt. My worst fears were starting to come true. And if you spend a lot of time in like web designer communities or online groups, it's all just one big therapy session about trying to get content from your clients. And I was working with great people, people that I liked, but I and I knew I have to have a tight process. But even if I had a tight process, it was the same, it was what I worried, it was the same problems just on a micro scale. And I really was like, I hate this. I really hate this. And I was working on a site for, um, actually a friend and who was also an American lives in Berlin I mean, he was paying me and it was right when COVID hit and it was just taking us forever. And this was not a big site. It was not complex, but just like by the time I'd sent him an email and he was like a teacher. So it was all just like, everything was chaos. And I said to him, you know, school's going to open. If we do not get this done. We're not going to, we're going to be working on this for another three months. And that's ridiculous. So we put aside a weekend and we just finished it. And I was like, I had an inkling. And then I started hearing about day rates and I attended some summit or something. And I said, that is for me. And then I got, I learned about productized services and all this. And I knew like, I am moving to that model. I cannot do it the other way. I found this one, Sarah Macy. She's one of the big people that like tells web designers how to do a day rate. And I bought her course and I told my husband, I'm going to a hotel downtown for the weekend. Goodbye. I call it my little mini me retreat. And I watched that course and I mapped out the way I did it. And I had a goal, like before the end of the year, I'm going to a strictly day rate model. And I tried it again, sort of a test thing. My husband's cousin is a biologist. And it's always that sticky situation where a family friend comes to you and you don't want to charge them, but you also don't really have time to do somebody's website for free. And I don't really work with academics and everything, but I said, you know what? I'm trying this new process. I'll bill you a good hourly rate if you're willing to do it this way. And she loved the idea because she doesn't have time either. And so I used her as my test case and it worked. And, you know, Murphy's Law, my daughter came home sick from preschool that day. At one point I was literally bouncing around my knee and like using my mouse. But we did it. We did it. And it worked. And I was like, okay, this is going to work. And then I just started marketing myself that way. And I redid my whole site and everything. And, um, it's been totally life-changing. Yeah. It's
0: such a strong message because I, I know, and I knew within a few kind of weeks of being within your kind of circle on LinkedIn and that kind of thing It's like, Oh no, done in a day. Websites in a day, Squarespace websites in a day. So I, I know exactly what it is, what you do, what your speciality is. And it's interesting that the first time that you tried that process, you did have that hiccup where, your your daughter is unwell because for me my stress levels would be like oh god that's going to be the one day that like the house collapse or something's on fire or <laughs> something happens
1: yeah yeah I joke that my booking schedule is somehow connected to my daughter's immune system because <laughs> <in my laughs> husband, we have these like nobody can get sick days so we actually do try not to book things like if you have a training, he's like, then I will like take that day off my booking schedule.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. But that's good. And that's part of the process though, isn't It's Is making sure that it works within everything else that you have going on so that you can keep that up. Amazing. Um, let's skip back a little bit to where you left your corporate career to move into your first business. I know that one of the things that get a lot of people caught up, including myself, when I was working full-time and wanting to go and start a business, was that actual process of going, here's my notice. I'm not going to be working here anymore. I'm going to go and work for myself. Could you talk a little bit around what that kind of looked like for
1: you? Well for me it was a it took a few years, but the there was the big flashpoint thing was I don't know if I call it burnout, but I was so frustrated um, and unhappy that I actually, I was on an assignment actually back home in Miami. And I thought I had a cold that kept bugging me, but I just kept pushing through. And it turned out I ended up having to get a heart operation and I was only 34. And so I was like in the hospital in Miami, nobody didn't know anybody. And that was for me, like the, like, I have to get. I have to make a change. So that happens to a lot of people. I have some sort of health crisis. So it's not like I turned around and put in my notice the next day because I was, I was in this weird loop of, you know, the money was pretty good at a corporate job. I could go to an agency and do cooler stuff, but make half the money and work just as hard. Did I want to freelance? I just didn't know what the next move was. And that's why I I was stuck for a few years. And I did, I was able to get a less stressful role, which actually helped me a lot today because it was a process design and methodology. By the time I gave my notice, well, no, I did do it at the start. I met my husband right around the time that I had the operation. And we took an unpaid leave a year to travel the world. And we like got married in that year. So that was like sort of the first step was like this unpaid year, (laughs) like not working for a year. (laughs) It's really hard to go back, and I remember we were like four months into it. I remember we were reading, sitting like at my my parents' house. They kind of live in the country north of San Francisco, and I looked at my husband and said, "I am so relaxed, like really relaxed. Like I it had taken me four months to just." get to a place where I was not like, so when I came back and this is in that post, I told you about how I quit my day job. I remember talking to a really great guy who was like, we got to find a role for you. What are you passionate about? And I was just in my head, like, not this shit. Like I just was just, I was just done. I was just done. And I didn't You know, I I had started my e-commerce business on the side and it was making a little bit of money, but I think I always had the fallback knowing that I could freelance. And I had had from the time at that firm, so many friends and colleagues had gone to other agencies or other, you know, all the big Amazon, Google, all those places. So I always knew like I can pick up freelance just by tapping into my network, which was good and bad. So it was hard and it took me a long time. And then it happened really fast.
0: When you did decide to go on that one year, was it always your intention to go back to work? Or was it just going to be like, we're just going to see what happens. I'm not going to think about it too much. This is just the break. And then you'll reassess afterwards.
1: I think it was, we were traveling, we're getting married, but I had already started my e-commerce business at that point. So I knew I was going to work on it and see how much I could push it, like in between traveling and stuff. So we were doing all that. And I had like, I think I was just starting to make some money on it, but not you know, you, I am also a very security, security oriented person. Mm. So it was more like that. And then I kept saying, well, when I can pay my rent, I'll quit. Or when I can do this, I'll quit. But then I just finally was like, well, it's just going to work out or it's not, I'm going. And that was, we we had no kids. We didn't have a mortgage. My husband kept his corporate job. So it it wasn't a hugely risky decision. Yeah, I understand that.
0: So when it came to knowing that you could freelance and pick up these freelance jobs and then you had the business on the side. What was it that made you decide to kind of leave both of those and start the website business?
1: The website business. Well, that it was interesting. I just wanted to do it. I do. I remember sitting somewhere and I was sitting next to a woman I think it was like a brush- up German of course and she was French and she had this interesting business doing stuff with bees and like wax and sustainability whatever and she said oh I need a website and I said I don't do that like, like really reflexively <laughs> almost like surprising myself and thinking like why why because I actually weirdly enough I want to when somebody, says they need something. My pulse quickens. I want to do it. It's like, oh, it's so easy. You can just do this. Da, 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 da. But I still have this thing about clients in my head. So I think I had a process around, I just needed to try it a couple times to get that over with. And then I had the push of the tax bill. But the thing about freelance, what I learned, the lesson that I took away from my first business is with this business, I did not give myself that out. I said, I'm not freelancing because I never really committed to the other one because I would run off and take a freelance project for two months. Mm. And you can't run a business that way. I mean, you can kind of have a little side hustle, but you can't really take it to where it needs to be. And that was probably the scariest decision with this one, like changing my whole LinkedIn profile, telling agency recruiters, I'm not taking on freelance. Like that was scary, but I think it made all the difference too.
0: Yeah. You hear so often, it's funny because this is a question that's been going around in my head this week, actually, which is, how do you go all in on a business when there are so many other things that are going on in your life? Like what, where is your limit of all in? Is it that you literally sack off absolutely everything, including personal so that you can just focus on your business? Or is it that you do as much as you can within a certain time frame? It's really been something that's been preying on my mind recently. And it's interesting to hear other inputs. And I think that one of the things that you said there, where it's, cutting out that safety net of another option of income so that you can focus on the ones that you do want to build it's terrifying but at the same time sometimes that is exactly what you're living proof it is what you need to do in order to be able to make that business focused
1: and I think interestingly enough I mean I have no way to back this up but of course you know, the amount of hours you can actually put in will yield different results. But I think it's really, there's something not to be too woo about it, but just there's something energetically that happens when you just make the decision that you're going to do this and commit to it, that has a big part. Because I have so many more constraints now, like I have a kid and we're on the preschool co-op board and uh and a dog and all this stuff. And When I had my first business, like we were single, like I, I was like, what did I do with all the time I had? I had so much time. And now I have to like, I stop, I have to stop at three every day and I can't do things on the weekends. And at the end of the day, I am too tired to crack open my laptop and do anything that will be worthwhile. So I just have a a lot of time constraints that I didn't have before, but I feel like I'm still making way more headway with this business than I did with the old one yeah it's
0: so interesting because I when I started my business my first business with Shadowcat, I was working full-time as well and I was commuting it was like an hour commute in the morning so I get up at like six in the morning I do my commute I do my day job I'd work on my lunch break on my business I'd work on my business, like as soon as I got home for the whole of the evening, all of the weekends, I actually think I was probably putting in a very similar amount of time. But I felt like it went through space of feeling like I was doing massive amounts of progress, because I was talking about it a lot more. And it was a very different structure. Whereas now I feel like I've stepped more into a business owner rather than freelance. Mm -hmm. When I was doing the business alongside my day job, because it was more freelancing, it was more project based, whereas now it's more like, Oh, my focus no longer is so much. My focus is very much twofold. It's supporting my clients that I already have, but there's a huge focus on finding more clients. Whereas when I was freelancing, I got approached a lot more because it was easier. And it's just the shift. I don't know how I manage that now because come five o'clock, like I am knackered. Yeah. (laughs) Just I don't know how. And that was only like two and a half years ago. I don't know how past me managed to keep up with working from like being up at six in the morning till probably stopping work at like 11 o'clock at night and then working weekends. And now I'm like, oh, weekend.
1: I know, I think it's probably because you're doing a lot more conceptual thinking and you're going from kind of becoming an order taker when, you know, and I know what you mean, like doing freelance, like, okay, I'll just do what you want and whatever. Yeah. To like all the conceptual mental heavy lifting of like building your business and you basically become a marketer. Like I tell people like designing websites, like 15% of what I do, I'm like, writing thinking about the next move like you're just which i love doing too but it's just it's a very different thing than just like you know taking the next website gig
0: yeah it's so different and i I think that it takes a like again it's that energetic balance isn't it it takes a different type of energy when you're having to focus on what like the thinking and the planning and the future alongside like the present and what I'm doing now and then the financial, oh my goodness, so much, so much. Um, (laughs) So you've talked a lot around some key moments that you've had like your first clients and things like that. But are there any other kind of surprising moments that have happened over the course of your business where it's been like, oh my goodness, this is so much harder than I thought or oh my goodness, this is so much better than I thought?
1: You know, funnily enough, now that I have this model, I'm really liking working with clients. (laughs) And part of this process also helps you qualify clients. Um, I'm in the lucky position where I don't have to take, if I just can, I can, I'm getting much, much better at telling who's like not going to be a fit. And that's also part of my sales process is like making sure, but it's getting to the point where most of the leads I get are people, I think because of the messaging, you know, are not people that won't work with this process. So not every project, but there are just days when it's a, it's really, truly a joy. And I didn't expect that. I really didn't. So it's a happy surprise. And there's also still days where it's just like, oh, let four o'clock can't come fast enough. But um, I did not expect to to like that aspect because I'm an introvert, but I do need to work with people. And I find myself very energized working with people. And, you know, it's very... You know, it's a boundary fixed period of time. So that has been a happy surprise.
0: Yeah, I can really see the appeal of having that kind of done in a day and knowing that. I mean, I'm going to assume that there is obviously a little bit either side because you're going to have your onboarding, you're going to have the offboarding, but the work process is kind of limited to a day. But being in kind of parallel industries where I've done branding projects that have lasted literally like over a year and it just kind of gets dragged out and it takes so long. And then by that point, your client is not as excited about it. You're not as excited because your client's not as excited and it gets very difficult. Whereas the short timeframes, whilst it's much more of a sprint, it can feel much more accomplished, I think.
1: Yeah. And I need that. I realize that about myself because it's the same thing. You just lose momentum and, you know, your will to live when things go on that long. And the feeling of accomplishment when it's done, I, that is motivating to me. And, you know, in my corporate job, there was so much I felt like, why did we just do this? What what did I spend the rest of this, you know, last six months of my life doing? It's like, doesn't matter at all. And that is the difference now.
0: Cool. So let's talk a little bit around your branding. We've talked a little bit around your business. Let's talk about your branding. So another thing that comes up time and time again with me and my clients, particularly in the branding side of things, is choosing a business name. Uh-huh. So what was your thought process when it came to, I'm going to start a business. What am I going to call it?
1: My process was this, is that I am a person who can be non-committal and have a zillion ideas. And I knew like, I'm going to start with web design because that's what I can, that's a skill I have and I know I can market. It's going to evolve into something. And I knew I wanted to do more around like a whole digital strategy, but most people do not go to their computers and say, I need a digital strategist or like, what is that? So I was like, if I just call it my name, it can become whatever it needs to become. Not, that's not always the right thing for everybody, but I just needed, cause my other business was called EM papers and that's still my initials. And I was trying, it was like, how can I fit? But like website, it has nothing to do with paper. It was like a online printable stationery business. And I just, I don't want to go through like changing all my emails and everything. It was like that, like my handle, I'm just going to, my name is going to stay the same, presumably. So, um, I'll just,
0: call it my name nice I suppose it also helps with the fact that your name is fairly unique as far as I'm concerned so I don't know whether it is a uh, kind of over in where did you say you were Munich I'm
1: in mean, yeah
0: yeah the website hosting Instagram handles
1: <laughs> all of that jazz just kind of taken care of my maiden name would is a great name it's Eleanor Ray but Ray is spelled R-E-A-G-H so I would have had no problem getting that Rolls off the tongue a little easier than Meyerhofer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's good. And it's, it's something that, like, once I learned the spelling, I'm like, I always know how to search for your name. And we're good.
1: Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> about that aspect.
0: Um, when it comes to your branding, so your visual identity and also your brand strategy. So I know that you do digital strategy, which you know, marketing and branding, there's huge overlaps with all of it. Was your brand something that you prioritized from a visual perspective? Did you go down more of a photography route? Did you know exactly what it was that you wanted your brand to look like when you first started?
1: Yes, as a designer, for sure. Um, And I knew right away, there were two things I was going to have to nail. And that was my visual brand, and my processes, like if this was going to work. And so I, am trying to remember the process, I knew I was going to have to get good photography, and I don't, I was thinking about this day, like, why, what was the impetus for this, but I just knew I was gonna have to get a good branding shoot, and I knew the photographer who I wanted to do it, who's here, and I knew, I kind of knew what my visual style was, and I wanted to be clean, pops of color, Um, I didn't see a lot of people doing that so much. So I thought that would be a good way to stand out, but it just had to be what I would do naturally. um, Kind of the aesthetic I gravitate towards. I mean, I like to say like, I can, you know, one gift from my years at corporate is I had to use, work with a lot of branding guidelines. So I'm pretty good at like intuiting or taking what somebody wants and like translating their style. But I do think, you know, it's still a representation of your aesthetic and where, you know, you don't come to me if you want glitter and dusty rose. Like I'm, that's just, I'm, I could probably do that if I wanted to, but it's just not my wheelhouse. So that I knew was important. And I just, you know, it's your thing. So I could just design it the way I wanted to. And that's pretty much what I did.
0: So as a designer, um, have you had those moments throughout the time that you've run your business where you're like, I'm bored of this now. I'm going to come create a completely different brand or I want to change this or I want to choose a different color palette this this month or this week.
1: No, because I can do that with my clients, kind of. So I get I scratch my design itch through what my clients want nice. um, or, you know, doing different design projects. So astonishingly no because usually I do but it's not so far I'm too there's just too many other things to do too no <laughs> <but it's, laughs> so, I do think like one one day I'm gonna wake up and say like I'm sick of this but that hasn't come yet
0: <laughs> and do you find with your clients that they come with a similar aesthetic in mind as your branding or do you find that you do get that variation between what they're looking for
1: a lot of times sometimes there's like maybe a third that say you know I say list you know and part of my content collection process like some sites you like and a lot of times they say I like your site but a lot of times they need a lot of help articulating what they like and why like they'll kind of give all these sites that are all over the place and I have them do a mood board exercise and it's really my job to kind of figure out you know we have an exercise where I ask for their brand attributes etc and this is one thing that I where I have grown and am growing is in really I think also from corporate for so long, you're like used to kind of taking the art direction of like this and you're dealing with like departments and there's like not one person. So I really had to get into like, I am the lead designer. I am the art director here and I, my clients, I need to show them what I think they need. And that is okay. And that's actually great, but it's like a reflex I had to, a muscle I had to rebuild. And some of it's so intuitive. You kind of talk to the person, you figure out their industry, you get to know them and you kind of know like, okay, what they want, or or they don't know what they want, or this is what they need for their, what they're trying to do. So that part is great, but it took a little, it's a balance between taking their inputs and like using your expertise to give them what they need.
0: Yeah. And again, I think that this, this is kind of the next stage after you've got through from being a freelancer to being a business owner, you then need to go from being a business owner to being the leader that they're coming to. And I remember and still go through that process. I think that is something that we continually kind of need to keep ourselves in check with is that people are hiring us for our expertise. So it's okay for us to lead the conversation and how it goes, even though sometimes it can feel quite uncomfortable. Yeah. Cool. So the next few questions I have kind of are are around your favorite parts of your business. So what is overall with everything that you do kind of day to day and month to month, what would you say is your favorite part of your business to work through?
1: Well, there's like a couple that are like a type. I really do like to write. Like if if I, in another universe, I'm a writer, I almost like writing and design equally. I really find that those for me are creative practice. And I have a newsletter that I send out a couple, two, twice a month. I have one to like a one list. that's like my... know, incoming. And then I have another smaller one that's past clients that I use kind of just to stay top of mind for referrals. It's not, I'm not selling that list or anything. And I feel like I'm doing some of the best work of my career with some of the emails I send out and, you know, not everyone, but some are just, you know, I think one in particular, and I, you know, it's a, it's a weird time to be in business just with everything that's happening in the world. And I, I'm not someone that says, like, you can't talk about politics, but I'm also not someone that's, like, leading with my politics, but after January 6th in the States, I don't know, that's probably not for a lot of people here, but that was when the Capitol got stormed, and, like, I was sending out my email January 7th, (laughs) and I was just, you know, I had something I was going to talk about, like, what I learned, and online networking is great, and I have these slots, and blah, 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 but I just... That was not the email I could send on that day. And so I did talk about some things that had happened and I ended up putting like screenshots from a client and then a conversation with that. I like poured everything I had into that email, talking about my business, talking about how I didn't want to send a political email, but this is what's happening. And it's so really hard for me to send to you. I like left everything on the field after I hit send. And I got so many replies from people, like how great it was and thank you. And I mean, I don't know if I got a website from that, but it's sort of, you know, and I also send out the email like, 10 things to make sure your website's working. I do plenty of those, but every now and then I do feel like you have to, and it doesn't have to be like a political thing, but you have to put your humanity into things. And the great thing about having your own business is it's your platform and you can do whatever you want, you know? So that I think is probably my favorite part. Sorry, that was a lot really long-winded answer, but well, it's a great answer
0: though. It's it's brilliant because I think again, it's it's that conversation that we were having earlier. It's like sometimes we get so caught up in the strategy that we forget the humanity that we need to bring, because we do have that space and we can use that space and that's the beauty of marketing is that it both attracts and repels and that's what we want it to do so having a piece where it's like slightly more political or something that is really core to your heart or something that's been happening to you like I know a lot of people connect through stories relevant stories or stories that they can see themselves in when it comes to things like mental health or physical health or um, political assignments or anything like that where it's like I have a connection with you and I understand and relate to your point of view you that's gonna keep you front of mind for anything else whether it's conversations or collaborations or even clients and referrals so yeah I love that I absolutely love that and yeah the last question that I have for you when it comes around to your business is more what's what has been your most effective or your favorite marketing method for your business
1: LinkedIn LinkedIn 100% I got a cold lead like at the beginning and I I also got clear that I wanted to work with business owners, like people running. I get a lot of coaches, but I also get people that have like yoga studios or one woman was like, she had a business managing assets, like wind farms. Like I want to work with people that have businesses. And so I thought, you know, I think LinkedIn is going to be my place. And then I took this course, it's called Pack Your Pipeline. Uh, and it was really, I mean, that course has paid for itself multiple times over. And I, I, Instagram, I have, I don't, you know, I, I, I phone it in for Instagram. I schedule everything on later. I really like to make my nine grid pretty, but beyond that, I am not like, I also, every platform has an algorithm, but I'm just really not tap dancing for algorithms. I can, I'm not, I did that with e-commerce and with those where you just have so little control, I'm not into it. And I also just like LinkedIn. I met you, you know, I feel like you can really make deeper connect like real connections not just like great puzzle I mean there's that too but um I feel like my people are there I like it so you know it's a writing plat. it is you know video and all that but it's a lot of writing so it has been a very great place for me to market and um it's I believe like pick one platform or maybe two and do it really well And for me that's been LinkedIn
0: that's really interesting I love that it feeds through to your love of writing as well because that makes Perfect sense from everything else that you've been saying today. Yeah. And yeah, it is it is interesting because there's so much. I think that there's less of it now, but there was so much of a stigma around LinkedIn as being the stuffy social media platform. But my experience really isn't like I'm very much a lacquer I love reading other people's posts on LinkedIn, but I always find that I get caught up with what to say because I love writing, but only in spurts. But I find that it is much less formal and I find it less. Salesy than Facebook. Yeah, Facebook for me is so spammy and so salesy, and it's just oh, it's just so much ick. Like you ask a question, a genuine question, and you get sales pitches back. Whereas with LinkedIn, I find that it's much more conversational. And exactly like you said, like some of the connections that I've made, you, some of the other podcast guests that I've had on here, friends that I have now that run businesses, yeah, yeah, actual catch-ups with, has all come from this platform that I never expected. To really connect with.
1: I think, yeah, it's definitely not Steppy in that post I met, that I think I, I mentioned in the last um, talk we had, I was talking to a community that I met, it's in Sarah Macy's community, and everybody was like, tell us about LinkedIn, because they're all Instagram, all Facebook. And I remember going through my contacts saying, like, our people are here, look at this, this is not, it is not all recruiters for middle management there are a lot of us here and I like it because it's not, it's overt. People are, we're there to do business. Everybody knows what it's about. It's not pretending that we're doing something social, but really we're doing business. So that's kind of what I like about it.
0: Yeah. I love that. Absolutely love that. So listeners, I'll be sure to pop Eleanor's uh, LinkedIn link in the show notes so you can go and have a look, see how someone does it right. (laughs) Don't look at mine. Mine's literally like very sporadic. Although I have recently put more effort into making sure that I'm adding GIFs or images to my posts, which has been more helpful. Right? That makes my little designer heart happy. <laughs> awesome. So let's wrap up this episode. So with everything that you've shared from your business journey and from your personal experience in being a business owner, what would be the key piece of advice you'd like to share with the listeners?
1: Well, I think... It's not anything revolutionary, but you really do have to nail your brand and who you are and also really know your ideal customer. That is so key. And that's like, that's, you know, always a little bit of a moving target, Um, but that was one real key lesson. Like with my first business, I was like, anybody with an interconnection and $30 is my ideal customer. And now it's like, the more I get clarity on that, the better my messaging the better my quality of leads and the better my projects. And it's just like a golden circle because then the referrals you get are the kind of people you like to work with. So it all kind of starts with that.
0: Yeah, brilliant. I think that I really feel like I need to do an episode on ideal clients. My journey with ideal clients has been a a tempestuous one, I think, (laughs) going from the whole like, oh, what magazine brand do they read, which I find irrelevant to finding a better way of dealing with it. But yeah, it's an important part of it, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. And those exercises can be confusing because I'm realizing My ideal client is really a personality type. It's not necessarily an industry or a this. It's just somebody who's ready and wants to get things done fast.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Those action takers. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing all of your business journey and your brand story with us today. It's been brilliant. Where can the listeners find
1: more of you online? So they can find me at my website, eleanormyerhofer.com. LinkedIn, of course, also eleanormyerhofer. And I am on Instagram, eleanormyerhofer.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, Eleanor. I really, really appreciate it. And listeners, be sure to go and check out Eleanor's work and her connections, hook up, see if there's anything in there that you can learn from and then come and tell us about it over on Instagram or on LinkedIn, depending on your preference. So if you enjoyed this episode, listeners, can I ask that you share it with maybe just one other person so that they can learn about the Brand Lounge. We can expand and we can continue bringing you new guests and new episodes every week. And until next time, head over to our links in the show notes and we can continue these conversations in the Brand Lounge.